0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If not, join us on the screen and uh, let's ask the Lord to just touch our hearts in this house. I want to center my mind, my heart, and our lives around A central truth tonight. I feel like the Lord has laid something on my heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Would you say those three words with me? We faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully So if the enemy can't blind them, the light will shine. And light is revelation and revelation is knowledge. Verse 5 says, for we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. And so I want to preach this evening from this subject and we will connect this in a moment. But I want to preach from this subject, faint yet pursuing. Faint yet pursuing. Pursuing. Amen. Would you preach with me tonight? If you'll preach with me, and you promise you will, you can be seated. If you're on the fence, just remain standing. I need to know who's with me, who's not. <laughs> Amen. Now, I have some comments to make, and I'm going to say this with great deference to our recently retired U.S. postal worker, Brother Brian Boyette. I sent him a text this evening as a precursor that I have an illustration about the post office. But for decades, Americans have depended on the U.S. Postal Service for correspondence. Because of that, we're very familiar with the system. At first glance, the U.S. Post Office could seem like, perhaps, in some cases at least, the most unassuming building in town. I've had the privilege of visiting large cities, as many of you, and in some of those cities, there are very impressive buildings that represent the United States post office. As a matter of fact, I read a little article today that, that, was, that said some of the greatest post offices as far as in architecture have been dubbed America's Overlooked Architectural gems. Ironically, the smallest post office is located in Ochopee, Florida, it is only 61, just barely over 61 square feet. That's not much more than a closed closet in uh, many cases. That's the smallest near Everglades City, the smallest. And so from that little quaint uh, small post office to those that boast great, great architecture. However, for the most part, so we won't take either of those extremes. We won't take these massive, Architectural wonders. Nor will we travel down to South Florida and stand in that little closet and 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 consider it. But for the most part, your U.S. Post Office is not a building that would give you much reason to pause. We drive past them every day, and uh, we see them, and even little intersections of our world dotted around the map. You can go from here to Live Oak, and you will pass the post office and. O'Brien, and you will probably not glance no more than you will glance at the one in McAlpin. But they are everywhere across the landscape of our country. Several years ago, we were, my wife and I were invited to preach in a small community in the state of Louisiana, and let me just say, uh, for the sake of you all here tonight or anybody listening, that um, for many years, I used to think that I pastored a church in a rural area or pastored a church in a country. But uh, I've been a few places in the last few years that now I just have to say I have some pastor friends who pastor in the country. And we were in one of those areas in the state of Louisiana. There were only three things in this community. One of them was a church, the church where we were preaching. The other was a general store and the other was a U.S. post office. The post office was very small and the general store was very small. And it made it even smaller, considering that they shared the same building. So when you walked in the front door, on the left would be the general store side, and on the right, at one end, was the U.S. Post Office. I actually talked to the pastor of that church today. I, I just got this on my mind, and and um, and uh, I'm just you're just going to be, be, be dazzled by the time we leave here this evening. I'm just going to warn you. And he said that the, the postmaster, I had remembered this when I was there, I'd forgotten this, but I remembered when he said it, that the postmaster of that little post office actually attended their church and was their church secretary. And that when she retired, they closed the post office and that there were no post office boxes ever even assigned. It was just general delivery and she knew everyone and knew how to divvy up the mail. It was just another place, another time. But on the one side of the store, the general store, on the other side, just a small window that represented the United States Postal Service. This wasn't a window which anyone would walk past and connect to it, anything thrilling or anything exciting. It was just a sort of a wire cage, if you please, a desk and a table. It would really leave you to wonder if anything could happen of consequence if anything significant would ever even pass through that window, but the truth of the matter is that some very significant things pass through that window. In our modern day of almost excessive and instant communication, it's nearly impossible and probably it truly is impossible for some to understand or even recall the importance or the significance of getting a letter in the mail. Now I know there's some sitting here tonight that understand that great anticipation of knowing that someone had sent you a package. Now we can trace it from the moment it leaves the shelf until it arrives on our doorstep and and, uh, it takes away all the questions in our mind. But for some of us, maybe it was a long anticipated package that you had been waiting for for a long time When my wife and I evangelized, my mom and dad were what we referred to back then as our point of contact. There was no cell phones, and uh, we did have running water, thank God for that, but no cell phones and things of that nature, so you had to have a point of contact, someone that could get in touch with you, and so they were the sort of go-between, and they had our schedule, and they would call ahead to the next church or wherever we were if they could catch us there, and Tell us that somebody's trying to get a hold of us, and boy, that just really sounds primitive and makes me feel pretty old talking about all that. But my mom and dad would keep all of our mail and they would box up all of our mail, and then they would look at a schedule, our schedule, and they would get ahead of us, and they would get the address of somewhere we were going to be, and they would mail that package there, and we would talk to them on the phone and they would let us know when we arrived in such and such city that there would be a package there. And it was almost like Christmas. <laughs> Exciting. You never knew what was going to be in that package. Some of them were just bills and things of that nature, but there were always something. Of course, you know, mother just couldn't resist being a mother. And so there was always something in there special for us. She couldn't resist being a grandmother and there would always be something in there special for our son. Many times it might just be a stick of gum, but it was that was a, something they had between themselves and so he knew what that meant. Amen. So these exciting notes and this important business, these things that thrilled our lives, all at some point passed through an unassuming window somewhere. Someone handled that. They handed it to someone else. It was thrilling for us in most cases, but through that same window also passes heartbreaking news, information that a loved one had passed or perhaps contacted some dreaded disease, and the list could go on and on. And in truth, there's very few places in the world that could really change and alter your life quite like the U.S. post office. Perhaps many here have seen the postman that walks his route instead of drives. You see that in cities oftentimes. And so when you look at them and on their back, that trusted mailbag, it's been rained on, it's been dropped, it's been tripped over, and it's been many miles. It's been through a lot of things. But have you ever stopped to think about the range of emotions that could be placed in one single Bag, Maybe it was the long overdue check and greatly anticipated check that was going to make a financial difference for a family. But also in that same bag, there could be a foreclosure notice to a family that's suffering through the ills of life and it was just one more blow to an already topsy-turvy world. Consider, if you will, the letters or the notices that would prosper one person and yet devastate another, all in the same bag, all passing proverbially, proverbially through that same window. Good news for some, bad news for another. And so the post office itself became a change agent. It was there that worlds were changed. However, there's something much larger to consider here, and while I've drawn our attention to the post office, for a little while right now, we have to really consider that the post office is not the source. It's just the vehicle. And the post office didn't write those messages. They didn't send those letters. They didn't sign the check. They did, not, they did not confirm or approve of the foreclosure. It was just them that became the medium through which all of these messages were relayed. And so that is often true of you and I, that we are human post offices. We're giving out a message of some sort on a daily basis. We did it all day today. Messages, they don't come from us, but they do come through us. Our demeanor, our smile, the words of encouragement, our hope. We didn't create the message, we just simply conveyed the message, messages that could either be positive or messages that could be ne- negative, and maybe there's a life lesson that we could all learn as we pause, we study and consider the little window at the post office. What kind of messages are we really passing through there? What is on the other end? Are we blessing people or are we damaging people by the words that we say, the messages we send, the attitude or the spirit that we convey. And so the question really boils down is, is this, is our lives, are our lives passing on a message of truth and hope? Or is somehow we are just going through the motions and we have something that the world needs but we refuse to give it away? When you think about the lost in a dying world that really needs to hear a message of hope, I wanna make sure that I consider the message that I'm passing through this little window called life. We're only gonna get to stand here just a few decades at best. We'll only be here just a little while, just a vapor as one writer said. Amen, I wanna make sure that the message I'm passing is the right message. Perhaps an even greater question to ask is if we're even delivering the mail at all. From time to time, We all perhaps recall headlines that have made their way either here in America or elsewhere of an irresponsible postal worker that hid or destroyed mail that they had been entrusted to deliver, amen. One such case was in Kentucky, in Dawson Springs, Kentucky. One postal worker there stashed nearly 45,000 pieces of mail and he placed it in a rented storage building so what was the reason that he gave? When when it all came crashing down and the law and the federal agents got involved, he said, I just didn't have time and I just wanted to speed up my time on my route. He was sentenced to six months in jail and six months of home incarceration for destroying and delaying the delivery of the U.S. mail. The sentence was actually much greater than that, but there were reasons that, that led to a reduced sentence, but he was also ordered to pay almost $15,000 in restitution to residents and to a bank and two other businesses for their losses. In the UK, there was a postman who hoarded some 30,000 letters and parcels in his house and in his car and in his garage. The postman simply claimed that he didn't have enough time to deliver all the mail that they expected him to get out And so he became so overwhelmed that he ended up just stashing unopened mail in his car and his home and in his garage, even throwing some away. He was caught after someone saw him throwing some away and they reported it and in the end, there was 174 undelivered packages that were found at his home. They discovered 67 mail bags full of undelivered mail One-third of the undelivered post was just junk mail, but two-thirds were letters and packets that were destined for homes on his round. Oddly, he said this, I was going to deliver all of that eventually. When I read that, I thought about how many people are going to get involved in a ministry of the church or how many people intend that one day I'll teach a Bible study, one day I'll get involved in home Bible studies, and one day... One day I will, I'll roll up my sleeves and I'll put my hand to the plow. But you see, what we really have to deal with right now is not what his intentions were going to be, but the authorities were looking at 174 undelivered packages and 67 mail bags full of mail. We've got to do something about this, not at another time, not somewhere down the road. As you can see, there was a sure penalty for making a decision like that and rightly so, amen. Who would wanna keep back something that doesn't even belong to you? Who would wanna hoard something that was never yours to begin with? Amen. Now we may be tempted at moments when we're reading that headline to self-righteously ask ourselves who would do such a thing? Who would hold and hoard what doesn't even belong to you? Somebody entrusted your hands they entrusted your character. They entrusted your judgment to take one piece of mail from point A to point B. And who are they to choose who deserves their mail and who doesn't? Amen. We may even be so bold as to say there ought to be some kind of retribution. However, before before we start drawing lines in the sand like that, we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing with the gospel that has been entrusted to us? What am I doing with a message that God has allowed to flow into my life? He put my life and yours somewhere, somehow, some way, on a trajectory that allowed it allowed an intersection to, for your life to come in contact with truth. He didn't just save us to save us. He didn't just plant us in the church so that we could be saved and us for and no more but he said i have entrusted you to carry this gospel to who you whoever you can get Amen, whoever you can get it to by whatever means you can do it. Amen, he didn't just allow us to come to the knowledge of the truth so we would have the knowledge of the truth or our friends or our family would have the knowledge of the truth, but no, God entrusted the church. He planted the church. Amen, and when the church was interrupted, when the church was disrupted, amen, they went everywhere, scattered about. It didn't stop the message of the church. It might have frustrated the message of the church, but it didn't stop the message of the church it scattered, they went scattered about and began to proclaim the gospel God entrusted truth to you and I it was given to us so that we would be used simply as the conduit through which the spirit and the word and the hope of truth could flow I believe that we certainly think less of a postmaster if they would just want the make sure that the post office was decorated nicely and opened on time and closed on time. But when we got there, there was no mail in the house. There was no function. The real function was not there. You see the reality is that people don't go in the post office to see what the decor is. They don't go in the post office to see what the temperature is. They walked in because on the other end, there was something there that they needed. Amen. There was something of value that was on the inside. And I know tonight that we can make the same connection to the church and we want our facility to be, to be our facility to be pleasant and we want our music and our singing to be pleasant. Absolutely. But I'm wondering what would happen if that's all there was. If somebody just walked into a building and it was warm in the winter, cool in the summer and everything was on key and everything was on beat but there was no truth behind the pulpit. There was no honesty. There was no integrity in our house. I say Lord help us to realize that the power that God has placed within the hands of the church and what we have been entrusted with. Amen. Oh, how important it is that we have a place to worship. But what's more important than that is that there is a fire in the altar when we get here. Amen. That fire, that fire cannot be prayed down in just a few minutes before a service. That fire has got to be tended to every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Every day. Amen. We Can't come in and pray a seven minute prayer and think everything is going to be all right. I got to bring the fire with me. Amen. I got to bring it with me when I come into the house of God. I've got to bring power. I've got to bring passion. I've got to bring hope. It's got to be in me if it's going to be in here. Amen. Admittedly, it's been quite a challenge to stay focused for the last two years. It's just okay to say amen. We have walked through a pandemic that has certainly brought immeasurable hurt, loss, sorrow, pain. But in addition to that, it has been a constant disruption of the momentum of the church. We're knocked to our face. We get back up. We're going again. And then the summer of 21 comes along. And then our momentum, we're wobbling again. I'm talking about the church in general. And what I'm talking about, you could put any name over the door, amen. We're trying to get our legs back under us and we think for sure we've got it and now here we are dealing with it again. Thankfully, it does look like that it's on the downturn and we thank God for that. But I just wanna tell you that in a, th- those, those constant interruptions of momentum Amen, this has caused, and I sense, and I'm not alone in this, a weariness that we have all had to push back against. Amen, I've spoken to not just not just anybody on the street, but I'm talking to pastors around all, not just in Florida, but pastors all around the country that are just saying, I'm just so tired of all of this. We, we, we seem like we get going and then the momentum is gone again and, 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 and fear starts trying to creep its way back into our mind and in our heart, amen. But I'm gonna tell you that the mandate, the mandate, amen, upon us is so serious. The message that needs to be pushed through the window is too serious for us not to push back against the spirit of weariness. Amen, I've got to push back. I have got to stand. I need you to help me right now. As a church, we've got to push back against the spirit of weariness. Amen, why? Because the mandate is too serious that's upon us. We've got to take it to heart. Amen, we're not the first generation, number one, to face such things. Maybe nobody in the Bible heard of COVID-19. We don't read about that in the Old Testament and the lost books of the Bible or in the New Testament, but I'm gonna tell you, weariness in the battle is nothing new at all. Confusion and battles and, and fighting and, and 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 the pressure of, of all of hell coming against the church, that's not anything new, amen, and so we must shake ourselves. We gotta wake ourselves, why? Because the spirit of the Lord is moving in this hour and I cannot be lulled to sleep, I can't be weary, I got to stand up, why? Because there's a message that's got to be declared. There's a trumpet that has got to be sounded. Hallelujah, there's a truth that must be declared. It is a mandate upon our lives. A mandate upon our lives. Many years ago, many, many years ago now, we were somewhere ministering again and and a pastor, the pastor we were preaching for handed me a little pamphlet It was just simply entitled, A Message to Garcia. I'm not even sure if you can still get this, but it was uh, entitled, A Message to Garcia. And the sum total of this pamphlet was the the fact that someone had given a man a message. And he said, I need you to get this to Garcia. And and there was no instructions as to where exactly Garcia was. He knew what country he was in, but there was no details about this, but it was just this whole story told to be a true story was about a man that was given a message and said, I need you to get this message to Garcia. Well, there were so many missing details, it would have been only human, humanly reasonable that he would have stood and said, I don't have enough information. I don't have enough this. I don't have enough that. But the truth of the matter is, the reason there's even a pamphlet is because the man would not stop until he accomplished the mission that he was given. And so we can all look around us and say, well, I didn't see this in a forecast. I didn't see this in our path. Amen, that's not what it's all about. Amen, the Lord said, I'll be with you all the way to the end. Amen, I'll be with with you when the sun is shining, I'll be with you when, when there's not a cloud in the sky, I'll be with you when the clouds are hanging low, I'll be with you when you're winning, I'll be with you when you're losing, I'll be with you when the pendulum is swinging in your favor, and I'll be with you when the pendulum is swinging against you. Hallelujah! I say today, Amen, let the church rise. Amen, let the church rise. I'm not saying that, that, that there's nothing to be concerned about, I'm not saying there's not a spirit of weariness. Amen, but I'm telling you that though we be faint, amen, there needs to be something in us that says I'm weary, amen, I'm tired, amen, my back is bowed, my muscles are aching, my faith has been tried, my hope has been stretched beyond the limit, amen, I am faint, amen, I'm not giving the devil any pleasure in that, I am faint, but I'm pursuing, amen, I am weary, but I'm gonna get back up and move, Forward again. Let's clap our, to the Lord. clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's Judges 8. That's my scripture. And Gideon came to Jordan. If you know the story of, of Gideon, and, and Gideon came to Jordan who passed over. He and the 300 men that were with him. You know, Gideon's army started out much, much larger than 300. And the Lord said, no, too big, too big, too big, too big. It's 300 men, they're in a battle of their life amen, 300 men were with him and the Bible says that he was faint yet pursuing, amen, faint yet pursuing. There was a weariness but he was still reaching and driving, amen, weary but marching on. I'm gonna tell you tonight, amen, that the church, the church of the living God, the church at large, but certainly including our church here locally, amen, we can say, oh Lord, there's a battle, amen, there's dust, amen, there's smoke in the air and there is a weariness in our heart but I'm gonna tell you, I'm weary, but I'm not willing to quit. I'm weary, but I'm not willing to stop. I'm weary, but I'm not willing to turn around. Amen, we're weary, but we're gonna get up and press forward, why? Because the mandate upon our shoulders is greater than the weariness in our body. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Even in a weakened position, Something similar happened to David. Oh, I know when we think about David we see him triumphant even as a 16 year old boy or just a young teenage boy we see him triumphant in battle we see the sling and the stone and we the stones and we think about Goliath and all the wonderful things that happen but if you just keep your finger on the timeline of David it'll go up and it'll go down and it'll go up and it'll go down and one day he was in a battle and he was in a battle with a, a very similar battle he was in a battle with another giant amen and so he was about to go down he was about to go down and somebody interceded on his behalf and they just had to come to a moment of brutal honesty. Second Samuel chapter three and verse number 39. Amen, he, he said, I am weak though anointed king. Amen, In my body, I've been knocked down. He would have probably lost his life had it not been for an intercessor. He said, but I, I am weak, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm still anointed king. The oil is still in my life. The oil is still upon my body. I'm gonna tell you today, the church, the church of the living God, Hallelujah, we're still anointed. The anointing of the Lord. Weak though, anointed, anointed. Amen. In truth, fainting is a very common experience in our spiritual lives. I know we don't want to talk about this a whole lot, but it's still the truth. Like Job, like Job, we, we comfort others in trouble, but we struggle. When trouble comes our way. I don't know how many people, I concur with what I'm fixing to say. So this is not a jab at anybody. I don't know how many people through the years have told me, I don't have any problem praying for somebody else. I've got great faith to pray for someone else. But in my own life, when trouble comes in, they're not saying they're weak and their faith is false and pretentious. It's just a reality. I want to share something with you in Job 4 and 3. Not that you've never read this, but I want to underline it. Job 4 and 3, the Bible says, Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholded him that was fallen, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. But now it has come upon thee, and thou faintest. It toucheth thee, and thou art troubled. Boy, that's some brutal honest. I mean, that's I mean, that's just a punch right between the eyes you've established the steps of others around you you've helped the weary stay strong you've helped the wayward find direction you strengthen feeble knees but now it's come upon you and thou faintest it touches you and your trouble a powerful, powerful message here that deserves our attention amen it's human it's just, it's just human at times to be weary I've laid down some nights so physically tired I didn't think I'd ever be the same. Have you ever just been so tired you couldn't rest? So tired you couldn't sleep? So weary and sore that every time you did drift off to sleep if you moved, the pain woke you up. <laughs> a friend of mine said some, just a few years ago he said I reached that golden age where I just go to bed and wake up with an injury. didn't even have it last night (laughs) and then amazing a few hours of rest and you wake up and maybe there's some soreness in your body but it's amazing how the body can just heal and restore itself you know why? because God designed it God designed it we may have gone to bed thinking we'll never be the same again. But in just a few hours, that's all a distant memory because God has just breathed life back into us again. Directing Israel as their conduct in war, the Lord advised them through the priests in Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 3. He, he, the scripture says, And shall say unto him, Hear, O Israel, ye approach this day into battle against your enemies and he said, let not your hearts faint, fear not, do not tremble, neither be terrified because of them. God said, don't, don't let your heart be faint. You're, you're gonna get weary. There are things that are gonna just frighten, just, just, there are things that are just gonna scare the thunder out of you. Anybody been there? But he knew that a fearful soldier cannot fight because you can't fear and fight so there's another reason in that same chapter that the officers were were were, were admonished to to say before they went into battle Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse number 8 the officers shall speak further unto the people and shall say what man is there that is fearful and faint hearted Let him go and return to his house, lest his brethren's heart faint as well as his heart. And so he understood that fear can be contagious. And what's on you can get on others. So he said, and so if you that are of a fearful heart, you need to go back home. He wasn't condemning them or mocking them. He's talking to men of war. Understand that. He's not talking to a bunch of guys wearing lace. I mean, he's talking to people who know what war is all about. But he said, but if you've got fear in your heart, you need to go home until you can get that under control because your fear is gonna get on somebody else because the Lord understands that you can't fear and fight at the same time. Amen, I will say, amen, the ideal soldier is like Gideon and his 300 men. Amen, they came to Jordan. They were weary, but they just kept pursuing. They just kept pressing on. I thank God, amen, for the brave men and women. If I could just transition for a moment that have, have brought the freedoms that we are exercising right here tonight. Amen. I know that somewhere along the way some of them had to be afraid and frightened out of their mind but somehow the message and and the purpose of where they were and what they were doing became greater than the fear that was in their heart and they were able to swallow hard and say for the sake of our freedom and for the sake of a generation coming after me I gotta fight. I will tell you tonight. Amen. That we gotta stand because there is a cause. David said, while men were hiding, while they were in caves and while they were hiding behind trees, little David said, is there not a cause? I think there's a resounding answer to that. Amen. Yes, there is a cause. Yes, there is a cause. And so I got to press down my fear. I got to stand on my feet. Amen. I may be faint, but I got to pursue. I got to get up and go again. I got to get up and go again in in Revelation 2 and 5. The church at Ephesus was commended because the Bible said it had labored and not fainted. Labored and not fainted. According to Luke 18 and 1, the Lord would have us pray and faint not because we have a gospel to proclaim. So we just can't faint. You just can't faint. We can't faint because we have mail to deliver. I got to stay focused goes something on the other end. I'm in possession of something. I've got to take this to the other end. I've got to heed the words of Galatians 6 and 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. We have to stand, and then you have to keep on standing. Having done all to stand. Stand. Having done everything within your power, stand. If we have to prop ourselves up, if we have to lean ourselves, I gotta keep on my feet. I gotta keep pursuing. I gotta keep leaning. If I'm gonna lean, let me just suggest something that is my heartbeat and I want it to be yours. If you're gonna lean, lean forward. And if you fall, fall forward. Amen. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come. Amen. While We acknowledge seasons that we may walk through collectively, individually. Amen. We need to know what to do when we're feeling spiritually faint. We need to be like perhaps Jonah said in Jonah 2 and 7. My soul fainted within me. I remembered the Lord. Amen. I, I, I was struggling with something here. But in my mind, I got my mind and my heart and my arms wrapped around the foot of that cross. Like the Israelites, the psalmist said in 107 verses 5 and 6, just kind of combining them together, he said, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. Like the psalmist in 119 and 81 The writer said, my soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. I hope in thy word. But I believe the richest perhaps passage for the faint is Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 28 says, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, The creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Amen. He's not faint. He's not afraid. Because you can't fight and fear. How refreshing to know that we're serving a God who doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. Isaiah 40, 29, if you'll stand with me. He giveth he give power to the faint. He didn't say he condemns them. He didn't say he calls them from the crowd. He didn't say that he excommunicates them from the church, but he says that he gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases their strength. He just turns it up. Faint, but pursuing. Verse 30 said, Even the youth shall faint. But real victory awaits for us in verse 31 They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, carefully, carefully heed the shalls in the Word of God. <laughs> they that wait upon the Lord oh my 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 I'm going to tell you there's a tendency in all of us because we're just cut out of the same fabric at the end of the day to try to fix what's wrong but how many times in scripture when somebody said I'm going to step in here and help the Lord out did it ever turn out good sometimes we just want to take situations in our hand and try to wrestle them and massage them into what we think should be but we just have to wait on the lord and put it in the hands of god and let the power of hope amen how perfectly the psalmist summed it all up in psalms 27:13 he said i had fainted unless i had believed to see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living wait on the lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. You ever been in a waiting room? You ever been on the other end? You can see the person you need to talk to on the side of the glass that like keeps zipping in, zipping out. Just something in your. <laughs> And every now and then, every now and then, they'll have the courtesy to just do one of those. Just a minute. I know you're here. That don't help our feelings very much because we want to take care of it. But I'm going to tell you something. From time to time, we're just waiting on the Lord. We can see Him. We can see Him. We can sense Him. And every now and then, God will just give us one of those services where we, He acknowledges us. I know where you are. I'm... I I know, I know. I'm coming. God's not picking on us. He's not picking on you. He's not messing with you. God knows where we are tonight. Amen. I want to just bow my back against the winds of adversity and say, Lord, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to lean in. Because if I stumble and fall, I want to fall toward grace. I want to fall toward you. Amen. Can we just magnify the Lord together? Hallelujah.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7:30 P.M. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.